Today we're going to talk about the top 10 red flags that you're being gaslighted. Let's get started, shall we? If you've ever had a friend or a family member or a coworker who is a narcissist or who suffers from NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, then chances are that you've been the victim of gaslighting. Am I right? In case you're not sure what it is, gaslighting is a manipulation technique that narcissists will use to get what they want from supply or victims. It's like this. They engage in gaslighting in order to create a reaction, whether it's anger, frustration, sadness. They're trying to get a reaction out of you, the person they're dealing with. When that person reacts, when you react, the narcissist wants you to feel uncomfortable. So they will do that. They want you to feel insecure. They make that happen by acting like your feelings aren't normal and aren't rational. I hear this from my clients all the time. I, I just spoke to a client today who she's doing so great with her recovery, but she still has those moments of Am I right? She doubts herself and we all do it. We all have the, the ability to doubt ourselves. So the best thing that you can do is change your mind. Gaslighters make you feel crazy because they act like your reaction to their abuse is not rational. Sure, the signs you've been gaslighted, they might seem obvious to some people, but the fact is that while you're being manipulated by a narcissist, you can't always see the proverbial forest for the trees, my friend. It is what it is, because when you're in it, it's hard to see exactly what's happening. Six months from now, if you left your narcissist today, you could turn around and look back and go, oh yeah. If you find yourself feeling like you might be a little crazy, which is part of the whole gaslighting thing, or even if you're aware that it's happening and you wanna recognize it while it's happening, because in my opinion, that'll help you cope with it better. It has worked for me in the past. Understanding the signs are just the first step to making your life a little better. You know, discovering what you're dealing with. Obviously, knowing the signs to gaslighting, it's going to make your life better. When you're aware of the behaviors that cause the narcissist to engage in gaslighting, you can react differently and change the course of the outcome. What are the signs that you're being gaslighted? I'm going to share 10 of them with you, the top 10. First of all, your fears are used against you. That's number one. Many narcissists are very charming as we all know. Not all of them are. We've got our covert narcissists and stuff like this, but most of them are quite charming in their own way, at least when they want to be. Now, a lot of times they'll listen to every word you say and they'll file away those vulnerabilities that you share with them for later use against you. For example, if you said to a narcissist, you know what, I feel a little bit insecure, I'm a little bit overweight or whatever, or even if you're not overweight, I feel insecure about my weight. The narcissist will later make discreet pokes at your weight, discreet at first. If you're in a romantic relationship with that person, they might even go ahead and make comments about other people who in their opinion or yours look better than you. So if you think you're too fat, they might look at thinner women. If you think you're too thin, they might look at thicker women. You feel me? Because everybody has a different thing they're into. Inevitably, if you've complained about your weight to the narcissist, whatever you are is the thing, they'll be looking at the opposite just to make you feel insecure about yourself. Your fears are used against you in gaslighting. That's the number one sign. Remember, the narcissist has an ultimate goal and that is to make you doubt yourself because that makes you more dependent on him or her. Number two, you don't know your own mind. What do I mean by that? Some narcissists will claim to know what you're thinking or what other people are thinking. And if you deny that you think what they think you think, they might just think you're lying and tell you so to your face. They might just make a little face or gesture, oh yeah, right, whatever, to indicate it. Or in the most extreme cases of NPD, they might actually tell you that you're lying and accuse you of lying to yourself. And no, I am not playing games, y'all know it's true. Because of course, as narcissists, they can't be wrong even about what the private thoughts inside your own head are. Yeah. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. Number three, you don't know what's normal. If you are regularly being told that things are normal when deep down inside of yourself you know that they're not, you're likely the victim of gaslighting, my friend. For example, let's say your toxic boss says, hey, can you lie to this client about the safety of this item that you're about to sell them? And you go, no, that's again, that's not ethical. When you refuse, the boss might go, dude, lady, all employees lie on behalf of their employers. And if you don't want to be a team player, well, psh, maybe you should find another position. The same could go in a marriage. If a, you know, a husband and a narcissistic wife, let's say, well, the narcissistic wife might say, hey, can you lie to our children and tell them that I spent their dinner money on something else instead of gambling? And the husband might say, no, tell them the truth. Wife, you know, might say, oh, why won't you lie for your wife? All husbands lie for their wives. When you don't do what they expect you to do, go against your confidence by saying things like, everybody else will do it, so why won't you? Next up, you're diagnosed with major issues. Not by a doctor, by the narcissist. So when a narcissist is lying or manipulating a friend, a coworker, a loved one, whatever, and doesn't get their way, well, the narcissist may just turn up the intensity by questioning the person's sanity, their entire self. You might be called paranoid, you might be called stressed out, you might be called too sensitive or hormonal. Narcissists might even tell you that you need therapy or meds to get through it. Again, it's all about being in control. It's not about anything else. It's about the narcissist being in control. The narcissist does not care that it hurts you. The narcissist actually is kind of amused by that sometimes. It's all about control. They will do anything to stay in control, even at the expense of people they claim to love. They will go so far as to not even know their own child. That's how far they will go in order to get what they want. You feel me? Next up, you doubt your own beliefs and perceptions. You're told often by the narcissist that what you know is true isn't. So for example, if your narcissistic mother would tell you that your significant other is a big fat loser and you need to dump him after a while or her, after a while you might start to believe it and you might even end up sabotaging your relationship with that person because you question your own judgment. Thanks to, of course, regular conditioning from childhood and then during visits, phone calls, and emails with your mother. You have to learn to trust yourself again. Along the same line, and this is another sign of PTSD or CPTSD, you can't remember anything anymore. So the narcissist, as we all know, is infamous for their selective memory, right? They will deny that they've said something that upset you, especially if you say, hey, you really upset me. Even if you directly confront them, they will deny it. In fact, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they might say to you, you're a big old piece of crap. And you turn around and look at them and say, did you really just say I'm a big old piece of crap? And they would say, no, no, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. And even if you had them on a recording saying it, they would say, well, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyway, the point is they, they deny their, their bad behaviors uh, and, and, and sometimes they'll promise, okay, I'll do something different and they don't. Maybe they, they acknowledge it. They say, okay, yeah, I did. I shouldn't have said that. But then later they might deny it again, you know, or deny it later as, as, while having admitted it during. A narcissist might also use creative language to downplay his behavior and act as though your reaction is totally out of line. Like I said, they'll act like your reaction to their abuse isn't normal or rational, but it is. See, that's the thing. You're not crazy. Next up, you lie to keep the peace. You aren't a liar by nature, and you don't lie to other people in your life. Not about anything major anyway, but due to extreme stress that has been upsetting you and 
and angering the narcissist or whatever, the stress that has come into your life because the narcissist is so easily angered and upset by everything. You might find yourself lying. You might find yourself at least bending the truth with the narcissist in order to avoid the verbal and the physical abuse that is sure to follow any discussion and or situation that the narcissist deems unacceptable or against his or her rules. You feel me? Next up, you stop trying to be hurt. That's a big, big red flag. As humans, we are programmed to share our experiences and our thoughts with the people in our lives. When you're dealing with a narcissist and there are signs that you're being gaslighted, well, you eventually might just give up. You stop talking about yourself around the narcissist and depending on the depth of your relationship with him or her, you might even stop talking about yourself altogether. It's terrible and you shouldn't allow this to continue if you're here now. The reason is because one day when you're out in the world, someone might ask you a question about yourself and you're stumped. You don't even know how to talk about yourself anymore and you wouldn't even want to because you're so insecure because of what the narcissist has put you through. You deserve better, my friend. Next up, you start thinking maybe you really are the crazy one. That's another red flag. The intensity of a narcissist manipulation tactics can really get to a person. And when you are looking for a solution, as in a way to just end the disagreement or the argument in the moment, huh, you might just convince yourself, you know what, maybe the narcissist is right. You know, maybe there are things I could be doing better. Maybe his or her behavior was a logical reaction to my mistakes. No, they weren't. Maybe you start to believe that you're the one who owes the narcissist an apology. And when you do apologize, the narcissist will probably eventually accept your apology, but only later <laughs> he or she will throw that bad behavior that you just apologized for that you didn't really commit back in your face. When it serves him or her, of course. Next up, you're depressed. As the narcissist wears down a victim, he or she may become incredibly depressed and anxious. You'll constantly question yourself and you'll feel pretty hopeless. If you're in this situation, you might feel exhausted from the roller coaster ride that your narcissist has just taken you on. You might even think that you're a little bit oversensitive thanks to the NPD manipulation tactics that you're being subjected to. So you get confused, you start to feel disoriented, and thanks to all those references to your paranoia and memory issues, you're likely to seek help, seek help for depression rather than the actual problem, which of course is the gaslighting narcissist in your life. Even the so-called normal relationships in our lives can suffer from misunderstandings and miscommunications, but when someone starts using the manipulation tactics involved in gaslighting, chances are they might also be a narcissist. If you're going to maintain a sense of self, you've got to start making some changes in your life. Let's just get ready to wrap it up. Do you recognize any of the signs that I shared with you today as signs of gaslighting as part of your reality? And if you do, do you think you might be the victim of a narcissist or a victim of gaslighting? How would you tell a friend to handle a toxic relationship that involves gaslighting? And how are you handling it or how did you handle it? Can you please share your thoughts and experiences in the comment section below? Because you never know, something you say could really help to change someone's life and that's what this is all about for all of us. As always, thank you for letting me be a part of your day and a part of your life and thanks for being a part of mine, it really means a lot. Now listen, if you want to know more about narcissistic abuse recovery, visit queenbeing.com. Tons of free articles, downloads, all kinds of good stuff, videos, etc. Subscribe to this channel. I talk about narcissism and recovery and positive good things, usually every single day. And check out booksangiewrote.com. Those are my books. Visit narcissisticabuserecovery.online to check out my 
appointment system and schedule an appointment with me. Look forward to talking to you or seeing you again soon. Thanks as always for watching and I'll see you tomorrow. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together. Good morning, survivors, and happy Wednesday. It's Angie. Today we're going to talk about 10 signs that you're on the road to recovery. All right, let's do it. My name is Angie Atkinson, and this channel is all about teaching you what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. The first sign that you're on the road to recovery from narcissistic abuse is that you develop a greater willingness to take risks. You stop being afraid. You realize that playing it safe is a sure sign that nothing awesome will happen. Um, yeah, obviously playing it safe, you know, something bad might not happen if you play it safe, but also something great might not happen. Now, am I telling you to risk your life? No, but I am telling you to take small risks. It does lead to better success. The second sign you're on the road to recovery from narcissistic abuse is more integrity. Now, I'm not saying you didn't have integrity before, but the fact is that success involves sometimes other people. And one of the most effective ways to build relationships is to demonstrate integrity. So you're going to become, and when I'm talking about healthy relationships, obviously, so you're going to find yourself doing the right thing even when no one's watching and it's going to become a habit. You might already be doing that anyway, but that's one sign that you will be closer to being recovered from narcissistic abuse. Number three, the ability to deal with obstacles and setbacks is another sign that you're closer to being recovered from narcissistic abuse. I think we're always going to be in recovery a little bit, but obviously the closer you get to being a whole person, the better it feels. And so the more you attempt, the more challenges you face. Then you, pretty soon you're going to learn that that you know the phenomena aren't that big of a deal. You just deal with them and you move on toward your goals when you have a setback or an obstacle. See? So see it as a stepping stone rather than a setback. Number four, gratitude. I tell you every day, think of 10 things you'll, you're grateful for and three things you love about yourself. Gratitude. The more you attempt to accomplish, the more you're going to appreciate the many blessings that you already have. And so when you take a point of appreciating the blessings that you already have, of course, you're a little closer to success anyway. There's a lot more there than you realize isn't there. Number five, and this is a big one, you become less concerned with what other people think of you. Uh, you become less concerned with other people's opinions. You find that many of the least successful people that you know are those who are most concerned with the opinions of others. So they become paralyzed by fear. They refuse to do anything to, uh, you know, that might lead to failure or criticism. And so because of that, they never take a risk. They never become successful. And a lot of times those people stay in relationships forever with bad, toxic people. They don't recover. Of course, you have to raise your standards. So that's number six, raise your standards. When you raise your standards, um, you keep going forward. So once you become satisfied, you stop making progress. So when you raise your standards, you create a new floor for your behavior and your results. And I don't mean your standards as far as other people, although that also helps if you've been with a narcissist. I mean your standards for yourself. 
So that means raising your standards with yourself and with other people, all right? And I don't mean to say that you have to live up to anyone's standards but your own. Understand that, all right? Let's move on to number seven, a clearer vision for the future. So during your relationship with a narcissist, you didn't really always know where you were going. And a lot of times, if you're still with a narcissist, you can probably relate to this. You often wait for them to tell you what to do because you know that if you choose your own thing, they're going to make it very difficult for you. So you're going to have a clear objective in your life if you're recovering. It's going to make it easier to see the next step. It's it's really difficult for you to be successful in any endeavor if you don't know where you're going. All right? Know where you're going. That brings me to number eight, freedom from the past. Well, obviously, if you've been with a narcissist, there were some things in the past that sucked for you. Okay? But successful people are focused on today. Successful people are focused on the future. You're going to be a successful person in that same manner. So... You don't have to worry about what happened 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago or 10 days ago. Just worry about from now forward. Choose your path. Choose your own freedom. Choose yourself. Number nine, more self-discipline. I know, right? Like you haven't had enough already. But people who struggle with success, people who struggle with being happy, imagine that their success would require amazing effort and spectacular accomplishments. As it turns out, success is kind of boring 99% of the time. But... It is the result of taking effective, often boring actions throughout every day. So as we grow in our recovery, we will develop a new kind of self-discipline, self-discipline, not being disciplined by anyone outside of ourselves. Do you see, see where the, the difference? All right, and that brings me to number 10, which is something I'm pretty good at. <laughs> it's the ability to laugh at yourself. <laughs> when you see what success entails, you laugh at yourself. Uh, you enjoy your life and your success and your and your happiness on a regular basis. The fact is, when you're dealing with a narcissist, it's very difficult to even laugh at all sometimes. Um, but some successes are easier to witness than others to to achieve. You know, it's it's easier it's easy to measure your bank account or your body weight. Um, other successes are more subtle and can take longer periods of time, like narcissistic abuse. This is something that is an ongoing personal evolution, if that makes any sense. However, you know, like I said, there are signs you can expect to see along the way. And if you're focused on the positive, happy part of it, these are the signs that you can see. So I know it's not easy. I know it's hard to deal with a narcissist and the abuse that you've experienced through him or her. Um, but if you keep your eyes open, you can see little signs along the way that it's getting better. Every time you see a sign, you will see a big boost of motivation in yourself and your life, and you'll know that you're on the right path. And that, my friend, is what it's all about. You feel me? All right. I'm going to wrap up for now. I'm sorry I'm late. I woke up late this morning. Had I've already taken Sophie to school, and I'm going to hopefully get this video up very quickly today so that you can have it within a reasonable amount of time. Oh, and since I'm running ridiculously late, I am just about to have my very first cup of coffee today, which is late. But... It's a coffee cup that says my dad's the best <laughs> because uh, it's a coffee cup we bought for my husband a few years ago for Father's Day. <laughs> All right, I'm wrapping up. Oh, and I'm going to play you out with Sophie doing her little dance last night. It was really cute. I'll see you soon. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and thanks for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And as always, thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me.
It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together. Good morning, survivors, and happy Monday. Today, I'm going to share with you 10 shocking ways that narcissists mess with your head and manipulate you. All right? So, let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson, and this channel is all about teaching you what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. But first, do you have your coffee? So we all know how narcissists have a tendency to have weak egos, they're not very competent in certain ways, and in general, um, they have a pretty skewed perception of themselves and everyone around them. So that's why it's important to be able to spot them quickly when you're going about your daily life. So number one, the first thing that they do that's quite shocking and pretty annoying is they try to compete with you, okay, about anything. You know, they're very well known because they have fragile egos, they're very self-centered, they lack perspective, all of this stuff. But the very moment that you try to be yourself, improve yourself, or advance yourself in any way, a narcissist will start trying to take that away from you. They will belittle you, reduce you, do anything they can to make you feel like less than, okay? Because the very best way that they can as a fragile ego type, <laughs> Uh, the very best way that they can feel better for themselves is to take someone else down a couple notches. It's unfortunate, but it's true. I'm sure it's because they lack the ability to have empathy for other people. Um, another thing that they will try to do is they will see their interactions with you as a game, right? So obviously because they have no real substance and, you know, they're more likely to play games than other people, um, you probably have seen this. They appear incredibly friendly to people they don't know, uh, but once you know, once they get behind closed doors, they're a different person. People they don't know, they want to, you know, impress because they think it'll help them somehow gain prestige and you know make their lives better, and they'll they'll get more attention, they'll get more whatever. And when they receive what they want, you know, they obviously they turn on people that truly know them, and so. It, it seems like they like to play a game. And in fact, they will often accuse you, you're playing games with me, man. And that's not really the case, but that's what they say because, again, they're projecting as usual. So, uh, you know, I, I like to see it as they have the emotional maturity of like a, you know, depending on what day it is, a three-year-old or a 15-year-old or whatever. They almost never have the emotional maturity of an actual adult. And it's sad, but sure. They might even go so far as to create a smear campaign against you as part of their game because they think it's helping them somehow to improve their lives or their status. Uh, it, it, it's about having other people look at them in some way, whether they want pity or they want, you know, whatever. That's what that's about. Number three, they tend to be passive-aggressive in their communication. So they are obviously immature, and like we already talked about the mental age issue, but in some cases, uh, you might meet narcissists who seem amazing and Later, of course, you find out they were just playing a social game like we talked about. But it's it's very likely that they will engage in passive-aggressive behavior, um, which will, like, you know, they'll, they'll do the narcissistic injury thing. Or, like I said, they will um, play the mean girl or mean guy thing. Or 
you know, they create tension where it doesn't need to be, basically. And, of course, when this happens, they are just attempting to control your emotions because they want your supply. And if they switch up their behaviors, they can absolutely achieve that. Number four, they refuse to give you any peace. So, you know, because of their own issues, they often, you know, will hold on to stuff. They, you know, so if you have a tiny argument, let's just make up one right now. Uh, the sky is blue, you know, and the narcissist might say, no, the sky is green. And I can't believe you would think the sky was blue. What in the hell is wrong with you? Da, 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 da. And then they literally might get angry at you for having the opinion that the sky is blue. And this might go on for days or weeks or months even where every time anything happens, they go, oh, but you're so stupid. You said the sky was blue that one time 10 years ago or whatever. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's because they are incapable of interacting on a mature level. Uh, their age, job title, you know, whatever degrees they have, etc. None of it matters, and none of it um, has any influence on their behavior, sadly enough, uh, because if they become triggered and their narcissistic crap kicks in, they, you know, once they're angry, it's too late, and and it's almost impossible to ask forgiveness. So I guess they hold grudges a lot. They like the feeling of being tense and anxious and they want you to feel that way all the time. I know that sounds bizarre, but I think it's really, you know, about holding on to um, control. And I think if they think if, if you're reacting emotionally to them in any way, that that's okay, that that's control for them. Number five, sometimes they'll express their emotions like a child. And what I mean by that is that, you know, because they are emotionally and psychologically delayed, let's say, <laughs> uh, they will struggle with actually expressing themselves in any kind of healthy way. So if you try your best to placate their ego while you're dealing with them by complimenting them or staying out of their way, you have a better opportunity to not have to deal with this. Uh, but of course, as always, no contact is the best way, my friend. <laughs> Number six, they play the drama game so hard. And, and they do it unnecessarily where there doesn't need to be drama. They, they almost always thrive on it. And, you know, because basically it takes the attention off of them in some way. Sometimes they'll create drama just in order to hide something that they've done. So if they've cheated on you, for example, they might pick at the fact that, you know, you put away a dirty dish one time or that you, you know, um, have opinions different than theirs or whatever, and, and they'll blow it up into something much bigger than it needs to be in order to take the attention off them. I like to call that narcissistic deflection. Number seven, they'll, they will you know, gather up little armies against you. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, they need to feel powerful. They need to feel like they own everything. And the best way for them to do that is to create a group of people around them that I like to call flying monkeys. Sometimes these people are willing flying monkeys and sometimes they're people who don't really realize what's happening. In any case, the narcissist is happy to use people against you. Uh, so the best way that they can do that is to create a little clique or a little group of people around them that allows them to maintain some kind of positive reputation and when things go wrong in the person's life, the narcissist's life, you know, the people who are their flying monkeys will rush to the rescue. Um, and I think one of the things that's interesting about this particular topic is that when you have a narcissist with such a group around them, they will often say to you things like, everybody knows you're crazy. Everybody knows there's all these things wrong with you. Everybody knows you treat me like crap, whatever they, you know, whatever it is that they're trying to put on your face. And, and, if you actually would say to them, 
you know, and I've done this in, in situations like this. Oh, who's everybody? Who's everybody? They don't have any idea. Sometimes it is the click of people that they've gathered up, their little flying monkeys, and sometimes they're just making it up. And if you call them out on it, they may even give you a name, and that person might even pretend to back them up, but a lot of times it's not everybody who knows anything. It's just them trying to get their way again. Number eight, they brag. They try to get attention in funny ways. They use any intelligence they have to gain people's approval and attention. And, and of course, everybody uses social media, but they will find a way to blow up their accomplishments and make them seem way bigger than they are um, a lot of times through social media. Not always, but depending on the age of the narcissist, social media may be a big tool for them, and they may use it to get supply. For example, when you get in an argument with a narcissist, you might find that they post a bunch of negative crap on their page about you. And, of course, in my opinion, this is all about or, or subtle things that are obviously directed at you but aren't really, and, you know, not directed at you. Uh, and a lot of times they will use this in order, of course, to get attention. They'll embellish their accomplishments, brag, and seem very un inauthentic. You know, they'll seem totally fake because they are. It's the false self right there. Mm, crazy, huh? Number nine, they act like children, behave in immature ways. Uh, they struggle to be mature, especially when it's necessary for them to be that way. For example, uh, you know, in the workplace, in public, anywhere they, they can get revenge, be vindictive. They just don't care. They have no concern for appearing to be a mature adult. <laughs> it's true and crazy. In fact, most people who are narcissistic will go the extra mile just to hurt you on purpose. Um, they will put extra effort into making life miserable for their, their victims. They will go that extra mile. They will make you uncomfortable. You know, if, if it's your, like, say, your narcissistic mother, she'll show up at your house and make you feel uncomfortable. And you can think back and you, you can think to yourself, gosh, I never really felt totally comfortable around my mother. There's a reason, my friend. Number 10 goes back to the flying monkeys again, because they will pull in other people, sometimes people in your church, people in your neighborhood, uh, other parents from school, you know, uh, just just random people sometimes to work against you, especially if they're angry with you. They'll smear campaign the crap out of you and they don't care who they hurt or who, especially you, or who has to be involved to do it. They will stoop to any level. There's literally nothing a narcissist will not do to get what they want, I don't think. Um, so something to think about. I mean, most of them won't kill somebody, but they're, uh, you know, while not are not, not all narcissists are sociopaths or psychopaths, I think all sociopaths and psychopaths are narcissists. So something to think about. All right. I'm going to wrap up. I've got to get Sophie to school and get my day started. So you guys have a wonderful day. I'll see you later today for another video. And as always, thanks for letting me be a part of your day and a part of your life. And Hey, thanks for being a part of mine. It really does mean a lot to me. <laughs> It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together. Hey survivors, it's Angie Atkinson and today at QueenBeing.com we're going to talk about why it's so hard to get over a narcissist and why it's even harder than it is to get over someone who isn't a narcissist, if that makes any sense. It will by the end of this video, alright? Let's get started. 
My name is Angie Atkinson, and this channel is all about teaching you what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. So a lot of times, you know, in most cases, people who have been with a narcissist tend to um, express similar feelings about the relationships and, and almost identical situations about the relationships, things that have happened in the relationship. So look, I know for me, recovery felt like it was going to be like almost impossible, okay? And and so even though, you know, you move on and you become less invested in stuff, it definitely changes the way that you live the rest of your life from that point forward. Part of it, yeah, and, and depending on your own personal choices and what you decide you're going to do, you may choose to move forward with, you know, a, a new renewed spirit, new passion for life, all these things, or you can choose to move forward like being totally burnt and feeling angry and, and pissed off at the world. Either way, you're going to go on. Now, I don't know about you, but I would much rather go forward with a happier, stronger, more me kind of attitude. How about you? Well, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through and we're going to talk about, um, you know, the different ways, different stages, you know, why it's so different, okay, because generally, you know, <laughs> breakups and, and and divorces, all these things are, are in fact known to be almost as or even more so in certain studies, more painful than watching someone die that you love or losing someone that you love through death, because when you lose a person through divorce, essentially or breaking up essentially they come they go out of your life right um, and and what you what happens is a lot of times we recognize that the person we thought they were never existed and that is incredibly devastating for just about everybody right so you go through the standard stages of grief but while in a lot of relationships you get a certain amount of closure that never happens with a narcissist the movie with um, Humphrey Bogart and um, Ingrid Bergman, what was it called? They did a Casablanca. You know, at the end, when when their relationship goes away, as as they're saying goodbye, they say, "Oh, we'll always have Paris, right?" Well, because you know, Paris in that case represents every promise that he made to her, she made to him, every moment they spent. You know, all of those things, they could remember Paris and have fond memories. Well, <laughs> it doesn't work with narcissists because they they literally take everything that you thought was true and they twist it and break it and make it untrue. So, yeah, a lot of people say they feel shocked, they feel shell-shocked, they, um, they feel blown over, they feel blown away. And so anyway, I'm gonna give you four reasons today that explain why it's so hard to get over a narcissist, why it's so much harder than it is to get over a different relationship or a normal relationship, all right? so more reasons for that. Here we go. So reason number one, nothing is what you thought it was. It's incredibly painful because it's a, the thing is that what what you thought happened didn't happen. Okay, so when you have understood that what you thought was about both of you was actually only about the narcissist and what you could do for the narcissist, um, it's devastating. It's devastating because you start to think about every single moment when you really believed, oh my God, that was my soulmate, this person was perfect for me, everything seems so natural. And you find yourself kind of rehashing it over and over in your, in your head. And if you're anything like me, you're, you're like, how did I let this happen to me? I know better than this. Even if you didn't know better for sure, you kind of knew better, right? Okay, so this wounds us to the core. 
And of course, brings us right to point number two, which is hindsight. Good Lord, hindsight is always 2020, isn't it? Yeah, the thing is that we all, as intelligent people, we know, okay, there are certain red flags about people that we should know about, right? Uh, but what happens is that when you split up, everything that you knew instinctively was a red flag suddenly is like, oh yeah, what about this pop, 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 all in your head, right? So <laughs> what happens is that everything you missed in the initial thing, everything you let slide, you know, we let things slide in the beginning of a new relationship, you know, because maybe we're having such great sex, we just don't notice that the person never, ever, 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 ever asks a asks about ourselves, asks us, or maybe we're having such a good time with them, having fun doing new crazy things that we don't notice that we've been together for two years and we don't know anything about the person. You know, who's their, you know, who's their family? Do they have siblings? We don't know. We're too busy hanging out, having fun. And, and the point is, um, that there are just layers and layers of lies, untruths, hidden things, and you end up questioning literally every single thing in your life when you go through this, you know, and, and, and it's especially disconcerting and upsetting when you find someone who has been your partner, who has been the person next to you for all of this time, and, and, and they suddenly realize that a lot of their actions had to do with making you feel crazy on purpose. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's, that's where it, where it all begins. I think more than anything, the gaslighting is incredibly painful because it is realizing that you literally kind of said here, I'll take whatever you got <laughs> without realizing it. You know, because when you, when you start to realize that in your efforts to keep the narcissist happy, you ended up kind of being in on it with them, kind of allowing them to treat you like you didn't matter, like you were less than, it, it makes you kind of it causes flashbacks, especially if you've got complex post-traumatic stress disorder as a side effect of narcissistic abuse. It, it, you end up reliving those emotional moments you, over and over, the pain, the arguments, the disrespect, the, the way your stomach would feel when you heard the tires in the driveway or whatever, and, and it, certainly that doesn't help you in your recovery at all. Okay, well that brings me right to point number three. You feel kind of like a fool, right? So if you're once you, once you get through the part where you're sad and angry and all this stuff, you uh, you without realizing it, you you turn yourself into what you would consider a fool if you saw the situation from the outside. So uh, we become like insecurely attached to a narcissist, um, and we are then more likely to fall into this self-criticism pit where we beat ourselves up. We, we figure that everything that we've been through, everything that we come up to at this point, all of our challenges have been because of our own bad character. Uh, because we're not seeing the narcissist as someone like a mistake. Like we made a mistake with the narcissist. We, we, we see that anything that we've done caused our abuse. We think that, you know, um, only someone as dumb and naive or stupid as I am could think, you know, and you know you're not stupid, you know you're not dumb, uh, maybe, you know, naive, I don't know, maybe, maybe you were naive to believe that there was humanity in a person, but you can't beat yourself up like that. Um, there, there really wasn't anything wrong with you. You really didn't do anything to deserve the treatment. And, you know, when you focus on that, 
you know, all the things that you think are wrong with you, you're certainly not going to give yourself much of a chance to actually recover from this abuse because you're essentially abusing yourself on behalf of the narcissist again and again and again and again. You can't recover if you're still abusing yourself. You feel me? So it's one thing to take responsibility for the abuse um, in the respect of, okay, I made the mistake of allowing this person into my life and I made the mistake of staying with that person. I decided, you know, that I, I would marry or, or live, live with or whatever that person. I was scared to leave when I knew I should. Uh, you know, all the chances, you know, uh, if you stayed with them after they cheated, you would worry. Then you come back around and you're like, I should have never got with that person in the first place. Then you go over all the red flags again and you think, I'm so stupid, why did I do that? You know, when we criticize ourselves, when we focus on all the bad parts, we are so more likely to get caught up in this cycle, this cyclone or whatever, where we, once again, are stuck and we can't get through it. Those of us who survived narcissistic abuse, we tend to self-blame. We tend to, um, you know, if we tell ourselves that we're the problem, all we have to do is, is you know, change. That's what we think. And, and so we are really good at changing. We are really good, those of us who are empathic, are really good at changing our mind, changing everything. You know what, maybe I am really the problem. Maybe I can change this and everything will be okay. I know I tried it. I tried it so hard so many times it doesn't work. It doesn't work because certainly we can always improve ourselves, but we certainly can't change anyone else and nothing we do will change anyone else unless they choose to allow us to help them change, okay? A narcissist almost never does that. And that kind of brings me to number four, um, you know, because the fact is the narcissist never had any intention of changing and so no matter how much they pretended they would or how much they acted like you could help them or you thought that you could help them, you couldn't and it wasn't your fault, it was them because they didn't have any desire to change or intention of changing, they still don't believe anything's wrong with them. You know, so number four, you feel utterly powerless, don't you? A narcissist needs to feel in control all the time. That's how they deal with their life. They need to be control themselves and everybody else around them and in order to do that, they need somebody to beat up mentally most of the time, emotionally, uh, psychologically, sometimes physically and that's why it's very difficult to stop that that whole thing from happening because when you are robbed of your own sense of self-direction, uh, your own sense of understanding about the world and every you know that's where the cognitive dissonance comes in like you could tell the narcissist hey look at the sky's blue and and the narcissist might say no I really think the sky's green and you know I don't know <laughs> like somebody said to me well this this the sky's a shade of blue but it's more green really <laughs> I thought that was funny but uh when you're in you know that position where you're constantly being criticized every single thing you do and say and think is criticized you become defensive and you're unable to be proactive if you stay there in that spot it's really difficult to stay emotionally straight balanced on top of yourself that sounds funny but you know what I'm talking about uh, and in control of the other parts of your world around you okay so of course superficially you can and so you'll see that a lot of times when you go through abuse you may have the appearance of someone who gets along with everything just fine you're on autopilot so sure you're getting up in the morning you're getting dressed you're acting normal you're putting on your makeup or your tie whatever you know whatever you're into and and you're paying your bills and you're taking care of the kids and you're doing all the things but you don't really feel anything yeah it gets in the way of recovery my friend and and all of the anxiety and fear and all the other, you know, bad stuff that comes along with it, 
gets in the way. So one of the most important things, in my opinion, in recovery is to take back your power and to re-own yourself, as it were, decide things for yourself, make choices and be okay with them no matter what, you know? So that that's, that's what I'm going to say today. So those are four ways that it's very difficult for reasons it's very difficult for us to re recover from narcissistic abuse um, in a future video in another video upcoming coming soon <laughs> coming soon we're gonna talk about you know some different ways that you can heal okay I've gotten I've done tons of videos on this already but there's always more room for improvement on everything right so if you have specific questions about narcissistic abuse narcissistic abuse recovery or breaking up with a narcissist or still trying to deal with a narcissist leave them in the comments below and I will answer them as quickly as possible either in a video or in a comment all right I have to wrap up I'm getting ready to step into a client call right now so have a wonderful day as always thank you so much for being a part of my day and a part of my life and thanks for letting me be a part of yours it really does mean a lot to me I'll see you soon it's my mission to teach others what I know to be true you really can create the life you want take care of your body take care of your soul Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot, take it now, and the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together. Do you think you're being cheated on by a narcissist? Do you want to know for sure? Today we're going to talk about the top 10 signs of a cheating narcissist. Let's get started. My name is Angie Atkinson and on this channel I offer free daily video coaching to help you discover, understand, and overcome narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships. If that sounds good to you, hit that subscribe button and let's get going. But first, do you have your coffee? Today I'm using my cup from my assistant and friend Jamie that says, always believe that something wonderful is going to happen. I love it. <laughs> Alright, let's do this. So today we're going to talk about the top 10 signs of a cheating spouse. So let me ask you, do you think that your narcissist is cheating on you? If you do think that your spouse or partner is cheating, you might be looking for confirmation, right? Well, before you take steps to start spying on your spouse, and before you decide to hire a PI or stalk him in the streets, <laughs> before you decide to do something that you don't really want to do or that you don't want to have to do, let's talk about the science, all right? If your spouse is cheating on you or your partner is cheating on you, there are certain things that you can watch for. The first thing is a change in physical appearance. So people who are cheating, a lot of the time, they want to impress or entice the person that they're having an affair with, okay? Inappropriate relations, as it were. When they're doing that, they often change or improve their appearance in ways that they haven't before or that they haven't since y'all started getting, you know, going out in the first place. When they do that, you know, they might start paying more attention to their clothes, their weight, they might uh, suddenly, they just change things about themselves that you know you notice and they're not trying to do it for your attention sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? All right, number two, distance or lack of communication. So if previously, you know, everything was great, which with a narcissist it might not have been, but did you recently notice that you were having a difference in communication, your, your spouse wasn't communicating as well, or suddenly they started talking to you more and, and over, over explaining? or they stop talking to you and they distance themselves from you at home in a way that they hadn't before, well, there's a good chance they might be cheating on you. If it's because they, they're they not talking to you because maybe they're afraid of making a mistake, 
and accidentally mentioning something about the affair, or maybe they're just discussing their problems with another person already. And with a narcissist, it would make sense because they tend to overcompensate sometimes. Like if they think that maybe you're going to leave them or they're bored with you or whatever, they're going to look for another relationship. They're going to look for someone, you know, another branch. A narcissist never lets go of the first branch until they have control of the second branch. Number three, they constantly work late. Did they always work late or suddenly, you know, depending on them or their career, they really might have to work late sometimes. But with that being said, you know, be on the lookout for a change in schedule. Be on the lookout for things that are different. You just use your best judgment, your gut, your intuition, it knows. If your husband or wife suddenly started working late and there's no logical explanation for it or if the explanation seems too convenient or whatever, understand that some careers do require late night work. If they work in a factory and they usually work the 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift and suddenly they're like, I'm gonna work extra nights all week and you don't see it in the paycheck, might be cheating. Number four, they spend too much time with their friends. Now that doesn't always mean they're a cheater. Spending time with friends is normal and healthy. In fact, it really does help to your, your relationship if, if your spouse and yourself have friends outside of it. But as y'all know, with narcissists, a lot of times they make sure you don't have very many friends outside the relationship and they, they try to keep you kind of isolated. But if all of a sudden they start hanging out with new friends or they spend more time with friends than usual, it might be something to concern yourself with. So look for the appearance of new friends, look for you know an increased amount of time. I'm, I'm just going to Billy Bob's house over here, whatever. If your husband or wife has gone from spending one night a week with friends to three or more, you might be getting cheated on. Number five, you don't know where they are. So when you're married, there's never really a reason that you shouldn't know where your spouse is. So if you know where your spouse is, then you're good. If you don't know, chances are your spouse is cheating. If they arrive home, they better have a good reason for being late or not letting you know where they were. There's, a, there's an app you can get called Life360 that my family and I use. And my husband suggested to me that we put it on our phones partially to keep track of the kids and partially just for convenience sake so that we know, okay, well, we're almost home or this is happening or whatever. Now, if someone's cheating on you, they're gonna not want to be on GPS. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Number six, you hear rumors, you hear things. A lot of times people aren't careful with when they're cheating, so this will involve them telling someone else or someone seeing them out on a date with a with another person. And in these types of situations, people by nature, they're, they're gonna talk about it. So listen to what you hear. If people are telling you that your spouse is cheating, there's probably a reason for that and it might be time to start listening. Number seven, no sex. If your relationship has recently become sex-free or the sex has changed, it's uh, less often or more often, there's a good chance that your spouse is cheating on you. Now, men and women who get sex elsewhere, they don't usually always need to have it again when they return home, but in some cases they do anyway because of guilt issues and weird sex issues. If the sex has suddenly changed and everything's different, something to concern yourself with. Number eight, you're accused of cheating because you all know that narcissists project. Obviously, in our society with the way the internet works and everything else these days, cheating is a big concern. Half of all marriages end in divorce and I would bet that a large percentage of those are due to cheating. If your spouse accuses you of cheating, if you have displayed behavior that leads them to that conclusion, there's a good reason you know, for them to say that. But in most cases, if you haven't, there's a good chance that they're accusing you of cheating because it makes themselves feel less guilty. Projection common narcissistic behavior. Number nine, hearing the phrase, oh, we're just friends. Yeah, the just friends phrase is a big sign of a cheater. As with all other friendships, it's important to keep your mind out, you know, open and use your best judgment. But if the friend is of the opposite sex and recently acquired, something might be up. Can men and women be friends without being sexually attracted to each other? Yeah, I think so. Does it happen where a married person 
hooks up with a friend of the opposite sex that is separate from your spouse. If your spouse is friends with someone of the opposite sex, you should also be friends with them if you can, but that doesn't mean that it's clear. I just talked to a client yesterday who was telling me that she was in a situation where her spouse would was cheating with two other people and he would bring those people to their home for holidays and stuff and pretend that they were friends and, and they kind of got off knowing they were cheating with him and he kind of got off on it while the wife was being clueless and pretend, trying to be friends with these women. That's a typical narcissist for you. Just let's dig it in a little deeper, you know? Number 10, bad feelings. If, if you feel in your gut that something is wrong, it might be wrong. Bad feelings are not something that should be easily dismissed in this case. If you have a reason to believe that your narcissist is cheating on you, they really might be cheating on you. If you don't want to be in a relationship with a cheater, if you, you know, if you want a monogamous relationship, you have a right to have one. Please follow your heart here. Don't just give up because it's easier. Don't just let them do it because it, it makes your life easier. If you really want to be in a monogamous relationship, you deserve to have that. Do what you need to do to find out if they're actually cheating. These steps might involve getting a PI. So those are my 10 signs. Later today, I'm going to show you a video. I'm going to, it's already done actually. I, I just have to finish editing it about how to spy on a cheater. And if you guys like that video, I'll produce more with along that line. I've got some material that I'll give to you as well if you're interested. So let me know your thoughts in the comments. Now, here it is time for the question of the day. And the question of the day is, have you been cheated on by a narcissist? And if you were, how did you find out? I would love to see your tips in the comments below. I will use them in a future video. Um, and if you don't want me to use your name, just say that, that's okay. But I'm really interested in knowing what you guys have to say about this because I'd like to help other survivors to figure their stuff out too, okay? That's all I've got for you today. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of my day and a part of my life. And thanks for letting me be a part of yours. It really does mean a lot to me. One more thing, I'll be here later today for Talk To Me Tuesday Live at 1 p.m. Central Time. So make sure you pop in if you can, if you have any questions you'd like me to answer live. All right, I'll see you then. And stay tuned for another video. Have a wonderful week. Happy Tax Day. <laughs> see you soon. It's my mission to teach others what I know to be true. You really can create the life you want. Take care of your body. Take care of your soul. Nurture the real you and introduce him or her to the world. Be comfortable in your own skin and in your place in this world. Take your spot. Take it now. And the universe will take its cue from you. You feel me? If so, subscribe to my channel. Let's get it done together.